The Sportzilla Show starts now. Team Ghosts. Who are you guys? We're the Ghostbusters. 15th interception on the season. McCourty's fifth. Pressure off the edge. Ball is out, and the Patriots have it. Picked off again. Deron Harmon. They let him get it off. Pressure off the edge. Floater, and another interception, and it's Gilmore. Floated again and picked off again. This time it's Terrence Brooks. I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. That's a solid, fresh open to the Sportzilla Show by the glue guy, Matt. He's uh, He's got the controls today, scoop and rain ready to go. Astros today? are massive favorites in the World Series. Because I don't know, Scoop, if you heard about this, but just listen. There's a rather important baseball game tonight with the two probably best pitchers, in one in the American League, one in the National League. You know, they are Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer, but it's it's this thing. You know that we're four wins away now from what we set out to do in spring training. We're one step closer right now. That's why we play this game here for this moment. We can't take these for granted. One more. Let's have one more champagne pop. The So we're going to start our Major League Baseball today, obviously, and I think we've got to go kind of good, bad, ugly in this because there's an ugly story just lingering, hanging a dark cloud over this because of something that an executive on the Astros said, and it's not good in the Me Too movement in 2019. And then there's the good, which is Lance McCullers, whose dad actually was a Major League pitcher. He's already won a World Series with the Astros, might be winning a second but, Scoop, I love what he did. Well, some fans who are Astros fans are at Yankee Stadium for Game 5. Uh, I guess one guy threatened to fight one of them. They got beer thrown on them. And so the Astros, Lance, know about this, get wind of this, and they have now, Lance has offered them World Series tickets. So they're going to go check out some World Series play for the abuse that they received at Yankee Stadium. So I guess in the end, it paid off to get swore at and cussed at. I have been to numerous Yankees games at the old Yankee Stadium, at the new Yankee Stadium. And if, and with the exception being Boston, because <laughs> I don't care if they get taunted, I actually sat one row in front of a guy that was originally from Australia, but had moved to the States, lived in New York City, diehard Yankees fan, and he basically screamed at this row of Red Sox fans that was right next to me with this heavy Australian accent. And I, I, I sat there the whole time going, I feel like the crocodile hunter is trolling and heckling these guys. And, and then they're kind of yelling back with their the Massachusetts accent. So it was, I mean, it was just pure comedy. It was fantastic. You know, a little John yeah. is okay. But when you throw beer, when you throw stuff, you threaten to fight somebody, you've now crossed a line. I've seen this at numerous sporting events. People maybe have, oh, 20 beers too many, and suddenly they want to fight the universe. They do. 
They absolutely do. And now, I, me, I don't need 20 beers to want to fight the universe, but that's beside <laughs> the point. How about the 20 beers, though, in general? I'll take 20 beers. Thank you very much. There you go. Scoop and Rain Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. That's the good. You know, he did the right thing. I, I reaching out to some fans. They travel all the way from Houston. They're in New York City, probably with the Bleacher Creatures. They're wearing Astros gear. That nonsense happens. So, I mean... You're building some fans for life and some goodwill with the Astros fan base by doing that scoop. No, I'm a Brown season ticket holder, and I brought a Steeler fan once, and they threw peanuts at him. They they cussed at him, and my, and my buddy says to me, he says, you know, I don't mind anybody cussing at me, but what, but now that they're throwing peanuts at me, I've had enough. You know, and I stood up and told the, the guys throwing the peanuts to stop. I was instantly the most unpopular person in the entire dog pound. They are... I think I was almost as unpop. Well, I was probably almost as unpopular as the Steeler fan. And, you know, they are so bitter. They are bitter and twisted and ugly. And look, if you are wearing the other team's colors into another stadium, you're asking for some of that to some degree. Doesn't make it right, but there you go. I I find that saying peanuts repeatedly on the radio is one of the most <laughs> awkward words to say. Peanuts. Peanuts. But I also find it's probably not as awkward as, as you just said, wearing the opposing teams, especially when it's the bitter rival, but wearing their gear in their house. I've done that. I have worn Yankees gear in Fenway Park. Uh, one example and instance of this was, I, I think I've told you about this before, so I go down there with Mrs. Rain, and we're going on a tour of Fenway Park. It takes a couple hours. I think you've shown me pictures of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's awesome. It, it is awesome. There are two cathedrals left in Major League Baseball. Uh, that would be Wrigley and Fenway. I mean, that under with the history of the game and decades and decades and decades. Dodger Stadium, it, it's it's there, but it's not Ebbets Field. So I think those are the two that count. Needless to say, it's it's kind of a dumpy, stinky old stadium, but the history I mean, it's beautiful. There's just something about Fenway Park, even as a Yankees fan. It's been so much a part of my entire life being a fan and all the times the Yankees have played there, hundreds over the years that I've seen. So you appreciate it until you're sitting there in your Yankees hat and your Yankees shirt and Mrs. Rain goes, you're really going to wear that? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And then the tour guide heckled me for two hours. (laughs) A bunch of Red Sox fans or other fans of other teams that just were afraid to wear their teams. Because I'm the one that did that. This guy busted my chops two hours nonstop. And I'm like, I just kept biting my lip going, yeah, that was a good one. He got me. And then at the very end of the tour, they, they you get this picture and everything, and you can pick it up at the end. And he comes over to me, puts his arm around me, and, and Mrs. Rain walks in, and he's like, you're you're good sports, man. He was cool about it. So, I mean, it's it's really the fringe lunatics in either fan base. Well, look, though, there is the guy, and we all know the guy, who wears the opposing team's colors into the other stadium because he wants an argument. Yeah. Because he likes that negative attention. It's it's like the little boy on the bus pulling the pigtails of the of the cute little girl. He wants the negative attention. I won't lie. There was a little bit of that the troll job the that it kind of chapped their butt a little bit. They were not butt hurt per se, but a little bit like you got a set on you wearing that Yankees gear in here, man. I admit that was a a little bit of a joy for me. So that was that was cool that you know 
they got some free tickets to the World Series. Scoop, tell me about McCullers. Tell me about what's happening with minor league baseball. We were both reading up on this a little bit, and this would affect like the Auburn Double Days, for example, in New York Penn League. Uh, there used to be a New York Penn League team in Utica, the Utica Blue Sox, uh, but a lot of teams on the chopping block. Well, there are talks between Major League Baseball and the minor league teams for a new professional baseball agreement. The current one runs out next year. And what Major League Baseball wants to do is eliminate 40 cities that have affiliated minor league teams. And the New York Penn League is on the chopping block, which, of of course, includes Auburn, Batavia, Brooklyn, Staten Island, the Hudson Valley. That Staten Island Park, by the way. Uh, Oh, it's beautiful. You ever seen it? It's beautiful. I have not seen it. I I saw it actually. I have a friend. A friend and I went down to Staten Island to visit a buddy years ago. And it was on that park was under construction at that point in time. And we're going back. It's been 15 years, roughly, roughly ballpark uh, year, give or take a year or two. It's the breathtaking view. That's all I can say. Go ahead. The proposal would slice the number of affiliated minor league teams from 160 to 120. Major League Baseball wants to improve the facilities, the stadium facilities at these minor league ballparks. Not everybody has a sparkling new minor league ballpark. There are some places that have relatively new ballparks. Uh, Akron has one. Erie, Pennsylvania has one. However, if you love your New York Penn League, and if you love that small town ball, and you're going to an older stadium, this has to have you nervous. And the beautiful thing about minor league baseball is how inexpensive it is, the crazy promotions they do that are so much fun. The overhead will be chopped for all of the teams who basically foot the bill, a majority of the bill for these teams. There's a lot of history with the New York Penn League. I'm I'm kind of sorry to hear this. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time when I was young going to New York Penn League baseball games, and you've seen so many major future major leaguers go through, whether it be the you know the home team or the different teams visiting. Syracuse Mets AAA International League uh, would grow from 14 to 20, affecting the Syracuse Mets. PCL would be sliced from 16 to 10, so it would change things that you're watching in the AAA level right here in our backyard. And going to a minor league game is so much more affordable for a family, yes. for everybody. Everything is a little less expensive, so it's, it's kind of sad that uh, we may be losing 40-some minor league ball teams. Scoop, we've set this up, the good, the bad, the ugly. We've got to the good, we went to the bad, and here is the ugly hanging and lingering over just a dark rain cloud, no pun intended. And Major League Baseball may try to ignore this, but I don't think they can. It's a cloud that hangs over the World Series. I read it a, a little bit on it last night, and if you've, if you've looked online, social media, it's, it's picked up traction. It's got legs now. And a lot of reporters that were there on the scene of this incident basically said, yeah, it happened. And I don't think it was intended the way the Astros are trying to cover it up. It had bad intentions because there was some celebrating going on after they won the ALCS. And it happened in the locker room. And Brandon Tubman is the assistant general manager for the Astros. Take it from there, Scoop. Well, and he's yelling He's he's yelling how he you know he's cussing how he loves Asuna and of course Asuna has this whole domestic violence history and there are three female reporters right there one of them wearing a domestic violence awareness bracelet and 
he's yelling, you know, I something to the effect of I blanking. I almost said it. I blanking love Osuna. And, you know, the Astros are trying to spin it like, well, there was an interview going on. And, you know, he was trying to express support for for another player. There are numerous witnesses who are in the room, including, you know, a Houston Chronicle reporter who said, no, that's not the way it happened. There was no interview going on anywhere around there. And this guy was shouting this stuff that was intimidating to these female reporters in the locker room. And it seemed to be an attempt to intimidate to a lot of the people who were there. One of the women felt very uncomfortable and look, this is an HR nightmare. If anybody else does this in their workplace, they're sent home for a while. That's just the way it is, you know. And you just can't do that stuff in the workplace. It's not appropriate. And Major League Baseball has a public relations nightmare. They have to send this guy home. He should not be at the ballpark for a while. This is akin. I mean, if if you can push a player in an NBA playoff game and you're a, a a minority stake owner or whatever. Remember when that happened? I do. This is the sort of thing that can't be allowed either. You I know? agree. I and totally I understand agree. it's celebrating. Maybe he had a little too much to drink. Inappropriate behavior. I'm sorry. You it, can't, you can't do that. It no, that no longer, the, the old school arguments no longer apply in the modern age. If, whether whether if, you like it or not, it, women have a place in broadcasting and in journalism and around sports. Some of the best sports journalists and broadcasters on television and in radio and in print are female nowadays. And if that's a threat to your manhood, well, then you need to look well, in the mirror. And here's the problem, too. If you are a wife or if you are a woman who works for the Astros, yeah. I don't know how you can possibly feel comfortable around that guy. After what happened. And that's why he's got to go home. Major League Baseball has to censure him and say, look, you are out of line. You know, some people say he should be fired. He just got signed to a new deal, apparently. But if he doesn't have the wits about him to know how to behave. Well, there's a character clause in that. Scoop and Rain here on the Sports Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Scoop, let let me once again back you up on the points that you're making. So... Houston Astros have released, well, Brandon Tubman via the Houston Astros released a statement. And I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but basically he has now come out after they've been called out for the BS cover up that they were trying to put on this and the spin that they were trying to give. And basically said, I tried to say Sports Illustrated wrote this article and and that's not how it happened. And you misrepresented everything when, in fact, according to witnesses, it was pretty well represented. And there's a, there's an apology here, and there's, of course, the those that know me, that's not really who I am type of stuff from Brandon Tubman. Now, that's been followed up. The glue guy, Matt, just handed me Major League Baseball statement, which basically now they're domestic violence, extraordinary serious, blah, blah, blah. They've gone on to say that the Astros have mischaracterized and they're disputing and all of that. So... The PR machine is out there. Everybody's now trying to get ahead of this, correct this, and fix this. But it happened, and it's not going anywhere right now. And there you go. It lingers over game one tonight. It's going to be discussed, or will they ignore it during the broadcast? I wonder. I I think uh, it'll come up to some degree, uh, but they won't dwell on it, I don't think, unless there is a breaking news story before game time. But... I, I know how I feel, and 
I don't want the Houston Astros to win another baseball game ever again, as long as he's a part of the organization. I like Jose Altuve. I like Garrett Cole. But, you know, if you're the wife of any of those players, you you can't like that. You can't be okay with that behavior. Absolutely not. Well, even more so, what about the wives of people going to the game? Yeah, there's so many. There's... You just can't, you just can't, period. I, I don't, you don't have to, I don't think in 2019 you have to even break this down anymore unless you're not paying attention to the world that you live in and you're tone deaf. He needs to go home. He needs to not be at the ballpark for the World Series. Let me just say this. It's just like the Yankees. I commented yesterday that, yeah, as far as performance on the field, not having Domingo Herman because of the starting pitching situation may have hurt the Yankees. But the reason that he was suspended for the rest of the year I'm perfectly fine with the Yankees losing if that's the case. I would rather this be the scenario than him be on the team and they won. I wouldn't be able to live with that. I wouldn't be able to look my daughters or Mrs. Rain in the eye. That being said, we've got a pause. Oh, we're going to come back. We've got some NFL lined up. We've got some NBA lined up with a guest, Jack Perrin, from Last Word on Sports, about 3.30. And we're talking John Wallace and number 44 being retired. The Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. And caller number five right now at 315-437-7644 is registered to win a chance at kicking an extra point for a thousand bucks. One person will be chosen at random from all registrants to attempt to kick at halftime of the SUBC game and win a thousand bucks from ESPN Radio Syracuse. There's one K if you can make the kick. I cannot make the kick, so don't worry about me being any competition. Um, NFL got some funny stuff going on in it. And I'm not even talking about the fact that the GD Jets who destroyed Dallas and the Patriots. What was going on last night? They're so good. They're going to Sam Darnold sees ghosts. And now the Jets are mad that ESPN aired that particular bit of audio. They're mad at ESPN. You picked the wrong game to say that while you're mic'd up. I'm just saying. Let's bring in the glue guy, Matt. Matt. You were tempering expectations yesterday on this. Oh, my offense is terrible. Yeah, it was the Jets, and you've played. Actually, you've played a lot of crappy teams, and I'll even include my Giants in that because they're obviously their record is okay. Well, the offense is trash because they had to go acquire a new wide receiver today. Yeah, was it Mohamed Sanu from From the the Falcons? Yes. Breaking news also uh, that the glue guy pointed out to us as we were hitting the airwaves: uh, Broncos made a trade for Emmanuel Sanders to the Forty Niners. So two undefeated teams picking up wide receivers. Everybody needs receivers. They're just getting better. Did they really need him? Who? The Patriots? Yes. Why? It was the Julian Edelman show last night. And that's it? That's it. Need somebody else? Josh Gordon was out. How are they the team that's able to just improve whenever they want? It's, It's almost like Bill Belichick goes, we need an offensive lineman. And the next day they have the best available one in the entire NFL. Always to the Patriots. Seems fishy, doesn't it? It does seem a little bit fishy. Maybe also, it's sports entertainment instead of sports. It was so bad for the Jets Is last Vince night. Is Vince McMahon the commissioner? Maybe. It was so bad for the Jets last night that at one for one brief moment, and I know everybody's seen this if you're an NFL fan and you've been online, but I think Belichick cracked a little smile. Oh, he did. Like a smirk almost. Did you notice that? Yeah, he was, uh, he took the delay of game penalty and then, uh, I can't remember what the other penalty was, but, uh, he did that in order to advance time. I just think it's hilarious that 
also at one point they were up 20 something to nothing and they showed uh, a picture of him really like hard angry coaching up the team on the sidelines the whole defense was over there yeah and i'm like how how could you not be happy with the outcome of this game right now but that's exactly why the patriots have been a 20 year juggernaut and are the patriots because he's just always on top of everything every detail coaching them up making them get better and that's why they're... Who's going to beat them in the NFC? Is it the Saints and... Well, I mean, they're pretty amazing. I mean, Drew Brees goes down and... Uh, yeah, Teddy it? Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is... They're 5-0 and oh Yeah, I with, have, with Teddy. There's there's very limited teams that will beat them. The 49ers? The 49ers are another option. They've proven to be real at this point, I think. That's... I mean, who else? Anybody else? Uh, well, I don't discount the Chiefs in the AFC. Uh, well, they've got to get back. Yeah, it's a short-term injury, luckily, with Mahomes. Uh, you think that, that they, Deshaun Watson and the Texans, I don't rule them out either. Do you think that those teams could beat the Patriots right now? I don't know. because Of course. There's one team we haven't mentioned. We did this yesterday. I'm going to temper The Browns? I was going to say the Pack, Aaron oh, okay. Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the other one that I was thinking that has a chance. Other than that, I, I think that's it right there. That's the only teams have any chance either on the way to the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl that could knock this team off. Dallas? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> he oh. laughed derisively. Oh, I didn't have my sports joke sound effect ready for you. You should have told me you were going to be funny. Scoop and Rain Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1. As we talk a little bit of NFL, um, I, I can't wait Speaking anymore. Speaking of, I can't, I can't wait anymore. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? Because it's the same thing I was well, going to say. We have the story about that's it, Jerry, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Yes, uh, bullying Janice Joplin back in high school. Apparently, they went to high school together. He yes. used to throw pennies at her. I've been trying to. I've I've had this. For a couple days, and I'm, I'm like, Scoop, come on, come on, we, dude, this is this is a great NFL story. And the more you read and the, the the more you dig into the details, the funnier it gets because none of it's a surprise. Like he's exactly what you thought he would have been in high school, and he's buddies. And of course, the last time that they won Super Bowls with Jared Jones, my eyes aren't too far apart. The owner of Dallas, who is the reason that Dallas will not win a Super Bowl again until he's gone, but. They're buddies growing up. They're the same type of dude. None of this is a surprise. And it's terrible that it happened to Janis Joplin, especially after what we just discussed in our opening segment of the Sportsilla show. It's a different day and age. This wouldn't fly today. But let's give him some of the details, Scoop. Well, he used to cuss at Janis Joplin, threw pennies at her. Uh, where was it? It was Thomas Jefferson High School. In the late 50s in Texas. And joke. these details are in an upcoming book about Janis Joplin called Janis, Her Life and Music. And I guess Jimmy Johnson has actually talked about some of this. You know, back in high school, where growing up, we did dumb things. Yes. And I'm pretty sure Jimmy would say, yeah, this was a, a dumb thing. I was being a jerk. He has owned some of it, yeah. And I still think he's kind of a jerk now with all those knuckleheads every Sunday on that panel of chucklehead morons and <laughs> the dumbest jokes I've ever heard in life are told every Saturday morning on college game day and every Sunday morning on these NFL shows. They're dumber jokes than our dumb jokes. God. But I'm shocked. And they all laugh like it's the funniest thing they ever heard. But it's I'm shocked like, it took this long for it to come out. They sound like seals. Yeah, I am shocked too. Yeah, so, seals. That's a good one. I'm going to carefully try to dance through a few of the details be, you'll see why. But so Jimmy didn't like Janice. I guess it basically, you know, 
typically because she wasn't a jock. She was, everybody knows Janice Joplin in the way she was and lived her life. But they would spread rumors that she'd slept with their friends because she looked and acted weird. They called her an, um, an easy target for the boys, if you want to. See, back uh, in the day, back in that time, Jimmy's lucky that Janice didn't have, like, uh, a stoner beatnik brother because some of those guys were pretty rough. Yeah. And it might have beat the living tar out of Jimmy. Well, they nicknamed her to to, to get on top of that. Uh, sorry, that was a no pun intended bad joke. Uh <laughs> But they nicknamed her Beatweeds, and it was because she was a beatnik, which was a term more common back then than it is. Hopefully, today. we have evolved to some degree, and and you would and f- we we are not behaving like this as much anymore. But I, unfortunately, we have plenty of examples of where this sort of thing continues. And then you would hear the Jimmy Johnson nickname for Janis Joplin being Beatweeds, and you might automatically think to yourself. Well, is this uh, a drug reference? No, it actually wasn't. It was a reference to a, a certain area on a woman, and he admitted oh, to all this. Okay, Jimmy admitted to all this. This is in the book. He said, yeah, I did that, and he said the right nickname might have been – I'm just not going to say it on the air. But it just gets – it just kind of gets worse from there. He said that other jocks would try to grope her. They would continue to spread these rumors. They would constantly remind her that she looked and acted weird. She should have hit him over the head with a bottle of Southern Comfort. I mean, there was rumors of like this long list of guys, none of it being true, really. It wasn't what Janice was doing, but they just were they were pretty terrible. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these are two pretty much. I was just kidding. Household names in Americana, Maybe. right? Household names in Americana. Were you kidding? Not kidding? <laughs> kidding? Is that your uh, final answer? What's that now? Was that your final answer? Uh, no, kidding? I'll continue to dance as long as necessary. There you go, my friend. Scoop and Rain, the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. We're going to introduce you to Jack Perrin and talk about the NBA next. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Tickets available for the Hollow Hops Brew Fest, a branching out bottle shop, the Hop Spot, and Armory, Frightmare Farms, World of Beer. Find out more at hollowhops.com this Saturday in the Canyon of Destiny, USA. You got two sessions, session one, three to six, session two, seven to ten. There's a VIP ticket option, there's a designated driver ticket option, and so much more involved. If you like to sample some beers, or maybe you want to win 250, if you have a killer costume, well, I would check this out. It's all brought to you by World of Beer. There you go, Scoop. Sample some beers on Saturday. I love beer. Think our friend Jack, little known fact about me. Think our friend Jack Perrin from Last Word on Sports, based out of Chicago, our NBA guy, wouldn't mind sampling a craft brew or two. We've got him on the phone. Uh, let's introduce him to the audience. Knows his stuff. So there's an NBA season starting tonight, Jack. You excited about that, and or was it the craft beer that got your attention? Right, uh, actually, it was the craft beer. But uh, no, very exciting season for really. I think the first time in a few years, it's going to be much harder landscape to predict how everyone's going to do. So you're not giving it to the Golden State Warriors like we've done for the last half decade. Interesting, interesting note. Yeah. I wanted to put this out. Comment on this, everybody. Michael Jordan has said Steph Curry is not yet a Hall of Famer. Jack? Yeah, that was actually I had in my notes. Um, I think that is crazy. Yeah. I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. I, I, I don't know if Michael is just so competitive that he can't 
can't envision granting people anything, but it just doesn't sound like that's that's right in any sense. I think I think Curry, if he were to end today, would end up a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Don't you think that is in part, Jack, the old guy, new guy argument, like when when it comes to basketball and what the NBA used to be, and you know the bad boys, the Pistons, and, and you know Steph Curry would be dead. You know, I mean, you hear those arguments in the bar all the time. Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, you know, Michael would have a much better point if he said that Curry wouldn't have had the same success if he played at the same time with the bad boys from, the, you know, the Pistons and go what Jordan had to go through physically. Uh, the rules have changed, but, you know, the rules change and players change and they adapt to it and there's more three-point shooting back in, you know, than there was in that day. Um, it's a different game and it changes, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Curry is – you know, one of the best of you know at the game as it sits today, and I think it earns him a spot in the Hall of Fame. Jack Perrin's on the line with us from Last Word on Sports, the Sportsilla Show, ESPN Radio, ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one. So, as far as Golden State plays out for the season, KD is no longer on that team, so that's interesting. I don't know if that bodes as well for Golden State as stated, but I want to look around the league a little bit as we've got two games to get started. Zion Williams out for six to eight weeks. That changes some things. Brings me to the rookies, some with high expectations. Jack, rookie of the year, Jay Morant, Zion, Colby White. You got anybody else in mind? Um, you know, I think that you'll end up being shocked by, sorry, I've got another phone ringing there. Um, I think it'll be shock. I mean, you could see R.J. Barrett, you know, frankly, uh, rising to the top. I you like know? that. Um, I like that on the Knicks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I think Kobe White is going to surprise a little bit, too. I mean, I know he was – I mean, I do think the Bulls lucked into Kobe White. Um, they did nothing. They sat tight and didn't do anything at number seven, which seems to be their spot they want to draft at every single year. Um, and then he dropped. And I think he dropped because of the, um, the sort of odd – what the Phoenix Suns did just didn't always make sense. I think the Bulls got very, very lucky to have Kobe White, and he was what they needed – uh, on a team that, you know, I don't put them in the top category of the top three teams in the East, but the Bulls could surprise a little bit this year, I think. We want to bring the glue guy in here, Matt. Matt, your Celtics, Jalen Brown, the new four-year deal. Good move, bad move, discuss. I think it's a great move. Uh, Jack thinks it's a little uh, overpaid, but I think it's one of those things where in the NBA, any contract can be traded if it doesn't work out for whatever reason. So I think it's a good move. You're keeping your core together. You're uh, incorporating Kemba Walker now. So we'll see what he can do along with Kemba and all those guys. Counterpoint, Jack? Yeah, and I mean, I, what I said was I thought on the back end of that contract they're going to regret it. Um, I do agree with Matt as far as, you know, keeping that core together keeps them happy. I mean, obviously Kemba Walker's new to that core, but, you know, maybe a little more of a steadying influence than, you know, the great Kyrie. Um, you know, I, I have this. Celtics in the top three for the coming out of the East. Um, and I think that, you know, that signing is very good for the short term. It may just maybe on those, that fourth year might be a little bit of a stretch of a $28 million player who has his off and on moments. You know, he's, he is great at times, which is why he got paid what he did, but he also has some stretches where I think he disappears in games from time to time. What do you think about tonight's games? We got Pelicans, Toronto, Lakers, Clippers, which is very interesting to me. You know, 
Uh, how good is LeBron going to be this year is, is a big question. The question is, is he going to play defense at like an elite level? That's that's one of the things that, that's being discussed on ESPN.com right now. And Anthony now. Davis, how is he going to do in a Laker uniform? Well, you know, he, he's he's definitely still going to be elite as far as blocking shots and things like that. Will, but he's never had LeBron. Right. Is LeBron going to get on board? What do you think? I mean, I think that the Clippers are probably more will be more game ready, although that's, it's a little odd considering uh, Leonard, I guess, is out. And I mean, not Len- uh, Leonard's been a little bit hampered. He hasn't played a lot in the preseason, and George is hurt. So I don't know sure how tonight will go. Um, but I do see the Clippers kind of gelling sooner than the Lakers. But, you know, you cannot count out LeBron and Anthony Davis together. And if Kyle Kuzma, you know, continues at the pace he's been playing at, um, you know, they added a shooter and, you know, Danny Green, um, you know, they could – I mean, I thought a big loss for them was losing Cousins. I really do. Um, and I felt bad for Cousins because he'd been playing for a bigger contract and he keeps getting hurt. I think that that Danny Green signing was the stealth move for that roster. They actually have some depth. I They're really top-heavy, but they have some depth to round out that roster. I think that they could surprise people. This might be the best season if – the roster as it stands now stays healthy for LeBron to get that ring with Los Angeles. Well, on top of that, they added Dwight Howard. You don't think Dwight Howard's going to replace DeMarcus Cousins, Jack? I had mentioned the depth aspect, Jack. Go ahead. Right, right. Well, well, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, it always remains to be seen with Dwight Howard. But, you know, I think he is, Dwight Howard is not the player he used to be. What I mean is, the coach killer, the uh, you know the team wrecker. I think Kyrie Irving has taken that mantle from him. So um, I, I predict that Dwight Howard will actually try to fit in. I, I do think, absent injury, the Lakers. You know, I mean, I, it's hard to use the word surprise when you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron on a team. Anytime they're going to surprise anyone, but I think if you can, if they can maintain their health. Uh, not overplay. Yes, LeBron will have to start playing defense again, but I do think last year with his injury, I think he just completely mailed in the defensive portion, but I don't think it ever was because he was not capable. I think it was just Will. And a few words on the Pelicans without Zion Williamson and the Raptors' life after Kawhi. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Siakam can do on the Raptors. I, I don't wish to discount. You know, I was kind of thinking of what you know, who are going to be coming out of the East. I didn't originally have the Raptors on this. I was thinking Bucks, 76ers, and Celtics being the ones to watch. But, you know, you, even though, yes, obviously a huge loss in losing Leonard, um, they still were a, they were a pretty good team for years before Leonard went to the team. You know, so I think they're going to be in the mix. If Siakam turns out to be the budding superstar that they're thinking, he, you know, the, that team could – Still, you know, still compete all the way down to the championship games. Um, you know, as far as the Pelicans go, I think it was a huge loss. Um, I mean, they do have some other, you know, they have other uh, weapons on that team. It's not just Zion. I mean, they got Lonzo Ball and you know uh, Josh Hart. Uh, but I think that's a huge loss, not just for the Pelicans season. Um, but also for the league as well. I was looking forward to watching Zion play. But, you know, he'll be back in 30 games. He's a young guy. He'll he'll be back, and he'll get his games in this year, hopefully. Um, but I think what really hurts the Pelicans in losing Zion is it's going to be one tough Western Conference. And, you know, I, I count about nine teams that are pretty darn strong in that conference, 
and only eight are going to make the playoff. It's so it's such a crazy, crazy way how the NBA is weighted Western Conference so much stronger overall than the Eastern Conference. Jack Perrin with last word on sports. Now that the NBA is underway officially tonight, you'll be hearing from him to t- from time to time on the SportsZilla Show. It's ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Basketball, but SU basketball. John Wallace, number 44, next. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Come watch On the Block with Brent Axe live from Dave & Buster's in Destiny, USA. This Friday, 4 to 6, come out, win prizes and enjoy some great food. Sports of the show, Rain Scoop, Matt, the glue guy. There is an article, Syracuse.com, written by Mike Waters. Obviously, Syracuse fan, you read his stuff all the time. Talking about the retirement of John Wallace's number 44 jersey, which will happen the North Carolina game in February. And he mentions a couple of players that were on the 1975 team that actually had beaten North Carolina in the East region along their journey to Syracuse's very first Final Four, which they obviously did not win the national championship. Uh, but he pointed out Jim Lee and Rudy Hackett, a couple of key guys on that team, and Syracuse and the committee that is confidential that selects the numbers to be retired. I believe there's 15 of them total, wondering why those two are also honored. And maybe it's a little bit of a disservice to those players that Wallace will indeed have his jersey retired during a North Carolina game when, uh, I mean, they're known for just a magical game and, you know, the shot of all shots against, I think it was Jim Lee who, uh, who had that crazy 17-footer against them back in 75 that, that just goes down in Syracuse lore and history and one of the biggest shots in the program's history. Well, this is the argument we have whenever anybody is elected to a Hall of Fame or anybody is receiving any sort of post-career honor like this. And you know, I kind of felt bad reading the article. It's like, well, it's more about these other guys than Wallace. But I think really what he's getting to here is that there's this committee that makes this decision, and what are they thinking? He's not saying in any way, shape, or form that it's wrong to retire John Wallace, who's clearly one of the best players in program history. He went on to the Knicks and the NBA, and he's still he's still actively involved in the, in the program itself. February 29th will be the ceremony to have his jersey retired. And a valid point, I mean, since 75, the one thing that did stick out, stick out to me, uh, Hackett, for example, averaged 12.7 rebounds per game. Nobody, not John Wallace, Derek Coleman, Carmelo, the only player, Billy Owens, averaged more than the 22 points per game since. Like, it, it's, the dude did some, did some work on the court. And yeah, I think those are two players to revisit at some point, but, I just want to celebrate John Wallace right now because I remember watching him. He is in my memory bank and a lot of other people's. Does everybody remember this right here? As long as we win the game, that's all that matters, baby. Right. Rochester, New York. That was a thing for a long time after that. The Cuse is in the house. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Everybody used to say it all the time. It was a rallying cry and galvanized the fan base. It was it was amazing. It was just an amazing Syracuse run. I can feel the electricity pulsing through me when I think about the John Wallace years, especially that year and that time. And, you know, I'll just put forth the idea that perhaps this committee is considering Rudy Hackett 
and Jim Lee, yeah. but we just don't know that. And maybe there are already plans underway to honor them as well, or discussions about that. Certainly this article from Mike Waters brings that to light and maybe helps push that process along. I I think you would find a lot of guys, uh, probably even Coach Jim Beheim, who would agree that those guys deserve their place of honor as well. It's a great read. I mean, he lays out a great argument. If you want to read it, Mike Waters up at Syracuse.com. Yeah, they're retiring number 44, which it makes it extra special, I think, for John Wallace because of, I mean, number 44 is it. It's synonymous with Syracuse University. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm master of the obvious. But John Wallace, I've interviewed him a couple of times over the years. Great guy. Bleeds orange. There's... There's, you know, there's a lot of uh, key players in different programs over the years, no matter what era you're talking about, that stay involved with the teams. But there's, and yeah, I'm a little Homer biased here, but there's just something special with the bond with Jim Beheim and the Orange for 44 years. So maybe there's a significance as well as why they made sure. Listen, we're going to retire John Wallace's number at some point. He is number 44. This is season 44. I think the stars may have aligned. That probably has something to do with it. John Wallace averaging over 22 points and eight rebounds per game. I mean, solid. All right. Well, it's time for Brent Axe and on the block. I have to venture that he's going to talk about the spitting incident with the Bills, and I hope that he will. And the Dolphins. And the Dolphins. He'll have a little something to say. That's next. It's been the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. And we'll see you tomorrow at 3.